Welcome to Rex Factor! This week, Mary Queen of Scots, the biography, part two. With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Hood. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the kings and squeens. Queens. Queens. Welcome to Rex Factor, reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots from Kenneth McAlpin to James VI. Uh, we're still on a queen. We are still on Mary, Queen of Scots. But it's exciting. You left us on a cliffhanger. Yes. So last time, to do a quick recap, we mm. started with uh, Mary becoming queen just six days old. Perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Perfect time to yeah. uh, take the throne. Henry VIII was trying to bring her to England to marry to little Prince Eddie. Mm. Uh, but her mother, Mary of Guise, did a very good job of resisting Henry and then uh, Edward VI's protector, uh, Edward Seymour, um, kept Mary initially in Scotland and then she was sent to France for her safekeeping while Mary of Guise made sure that Scotland was still there and secure for her to come back to. And it looked brilliant. When things looked really good for Mary, when she married uh, the Dauphin of France, mm. and shortly after that uh, he became the King of France, and so she was then Queen of France, mm. um, she was being declared the Queen of England because many Catholics in Europe see Elizabeth I as being illegitimate. And she was Queen of Scotland. And she was Queen of Scotland. But then things got a bit complicated. Mary of Guise died and there was a Protestant Reformation in Scotland. Mm. So consequently, um, when Mary's husband, the King of France, sadly dies at a very young age, she comes back to Scotland um, to a country which is ruled largely by Protestant men, but she is a Catholic woman. Mm. It's all very tense, particularly when you've got a, a radical preacher like John Knox harping yeah. on about how terrible women and Catholics are. Yeah, yeah. But Mary initially did a pretty good job. She had a sort of compromise council with Catholics and Protestants, maintained the religious status quo so that the country was ostensibly Protestant, but in private she could still uh, practice as a Catholic. Yeah, it's quite similar to Elizabeth, the way there was this tolerance going on. It seemed to be what she was going for. She even put down a Catholic rebellion using mm. her Protestant lords. Mm. And that must be, for any uh, Protestant out there, a big tick against her name. It really should have been. And her priority was trying to secure her position as the heir to Elizabeth I in England. Mm. Because Elizabeth at that time, and of course for all time, didn't have any children. Mm. And for many people would think that actually Mary, because she's descended from... Uh, Margaret Tudor, the mm. elder sister of Henry VIII, she's got the next best claim. Yeah. Unfortunately, A, although Elizabeth was sympathetic, she didn't really want to name anybody as her heir. Useful. And B, William Cecil, Elizabeth's chief minister, believed that Mary was the nemesis of Elizabeth and it was his life's mission to disrupt her in any way possible and make sure she never got anywhere near becoming Queen of England. What was that guy's problem? It's because when she married the Dauphin and the King of France said, ah, this is the Queen, real Queen of England, not Elizabeth. That's the moment he got his back up. And Cecil was never able to believe that Mary was not always plotting to get rid of uh, his Queen and restore England to Catholicism. Mm. She needed to finish him off, I think. Mm. So Mary never quite got Elizabeth to acknowledge her as heir. 
Uh, but Mary does get married. Um, initially, it was looking like, bizarrely, it might be Elizabeth's favourite and lover, Robert oh, yeah. Dudley. Yeah. But then she ended up marrying instead a chap called Lord Darnley, mm. who himself had a claim to the Scottish throne and, indeed, a claim to the English throne. We, yeah, that looked great. looked absolutely great. The downside from the uh, Protestant lord's perspective was that this now meant you've got a king and queen who are Catholic. Mm. And consequently, uh, Mary's half-brother, the illegitimate half-brother, um, the Earl of Murray, was the her chief advisor initially, the leader, really, of the Protestant lords. He leads, or attempts to lead, a rebellion against Mary, but it gets uh, nicknamed the Chase About Raid, because he doesn't get any support, and instead Mary, with Darnley, her father-in-law Lennox, and the Protestant Earl Bothwell, just chase them about Scotland until they're forced to run off to England, where Elizabeth decides they're all a bit rubbish and she's not going to help them. And that's where we pick it up again. Exactly. Mary's looking really, really good. She's got her husband. She, she is pregnant at this point as well. And mm. that child is going to have a very strong claim to the English Gosh, throne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's got rid of her rivals, her Protestant rivals. She is looking absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, however, there is some trouble in paradise. Oh. Darnley is an incredibly spoilt, jealous and wayward young man. Mm. Um, he was angry when Bothwell was given command in the chase about raid against Murray. He's angry when Murray, uh, when Mary pardons the Earl of Arran and tries to forbid her making any future um, remissions. This is... He's so he's, because he, he, this is the young, long lad. Long, young, long lad who basically thinks that, you know, he should be... He's now king. He should now be king. Yeah. Now, Mary had promised to grant him the crown matrimonial, i.e. Mm. that they would be king and queen, but seeing what he's really like and that she's made a bit of a mistake... She doesn't grant him the title. She recalls a various series of coins which used to show his name before hers. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Takes a step back. But they are causing other troubles for themselves. Darnley wants glory from the European rulers. He's very, very vain. He wants to be fated by people. So he starts going around boasting that he's going to restore the mass to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Mary is also starting to promote Catholicism again, perhaps confident now that she's seen off mm. the Protestant lords. Um, she's also got various uh, favourites at court um, in her household who are also Catholics. So things mm, are moving so. away a little bit for the Protestants. So maybe when the rebellion happened, people thought, oh, there's no threat to the religion. But now they're thinking, oh, actually. So, but it still is the national religion is Protestantism here. Mm. And she's still having to practice her Catholicism in private. Well, but now, with, particularly with Darnley, they're being more. much more open about it. Okay, like wearing religious things. Mm. So in 1566, the Protestant lords who've been exiled are trying to find a way back into Scotland mm. and back into prominence. There are still some of them actually left in Scotland. So one of these is the Earl of Morton, and he convinces Darnley that Mary is having an affair with her Catholic secretary, the Italian musician David Rizzio, or Riccio. Because Darnley is doing his Catholic thing, but he's also really cross with Mary. He's kind of going off on his own streak here. So the laws of the congregation think, well... He's pliable, let's get him on side. So yeah. even though he's been going around banging on about how Catholic he is, he now throws in his lot with the Protestant lords. I mean, it's hard to get... I mean, how would you discuss that over dinner? That it's a, what, you've, I hear you've uh, recalled all the coins of my face on it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to know at that point, it's it's like ir- irreconcilable difference. Still going to be king though, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you still love me? Yeah. yeah. Well, of. that's something he complains about as well. She doesn't visit him in bed enough and all this sort of thing. He's... Mm. It's really quite petulant. 
So, one night, while Mary is in her chambers, some these conspirators burst into her apartment and charge David Rizzio with various crimes against her honour and against Darnley's honour. Ask, say they're going to take him away. So these are the Protestant lords that burst in. Darnley is on hand. He sort of let them in. But the Italian music teacher yeah. is in uh, is in Mary's bedchamber. Well, no, you know, with her ladies and, you know, playing okay, teaching her and how to play the violin and that. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mary refuses to hand him over, but instead they just drag him off. Yeah. He's trying to cling to, you know, the folds of her dress, but they drag him off, throw him down the stairs and uh, stab him. Multiple, multiple times. So it's not even a trial here. This is just... No. Darnley, at this point, refuses to help. He's kind of decided he's going to wipe his hands of it a bit now that things help have Help got... who? He's not going to help Mary. And, well, anybody, but the okay. conspirators. He's not going to get involved. It's like, you know... Oh, he's, he's awful. The assassination of Caesar. He's agreed to it. He's organised it, but he's not actually going to... He turns up and says, no, you've got this covered. He's dead. What do I need to do? Yeah. As a pointed uh, effort to make sure that his guilt is assured, somebody takes his knife and puts it in Rizzio and leaves it there. <laughs> so there can be no doubt right. what he's up to. Uh, but it's terrifying for Mary. She had a pistol pointed at her uh, at one point to keep uh. her still. She felt, apparently, she said afterwards, a rush of air as knives went past. Oh, gosh. going on? These people do not know what they're playing with, do they? And she doesn't know what the end game is here. Is it just to kill him, or are they after her as mm. well? Her allies, Bothwell and Huntley, were also elsewhere in the premises. They hear the commotion and escape. Mary is slowly able to win Darnley over back to her, convinces him that these guys are going to rat on him eventually, they're not there f- for him, they're going to kill both of them and have a takeover. Gets a message to Bothwell and Huntley, and they are able to escape during the night. Right, OK. But why does she take Darnley with her? Well, but she's basically she just had to bring him back on side so that he's no longer you know, a figurehead in the opposition. He's now back with her. Now, Mary seeks to restore order, and she brings back the compromise that she'd had in her early years, gets okay. her clever head back on. She offers pardons to the rebels that were exiled after the chaseabout yeah. rebellion. So the likes of Murray are restored, brought back to Scotland, and back on the Privy Council, along with Bothwell, along with Huntley. Awkward. Whereas the people who conspired against Rizzio are exiled. Okay. So they go, the other people come back, Let's all be friends again. Yeah. And things do start to look up. Three months later, a son is born. Whee! Named, obviously, James. Yeah. Because he's a Scottish Scottish boy. Um, He's baptised as Catholic. Interesting. Is this a James we know and love? It is indeed. Um, But at the banquet afterwards, Protestant and Catholic magnates together serve the foreign ambassadors. There's a lot of sort of show and symbols of reconciliation and all this sort of thing. Mary announces a restoration of the religious status quo, seeks to act as a patron for both um, religious That speech would have been really tricky. Hmm. I announce a restoration and everyone goes (gasps) of the religious status quo. (laughs) So she's trying to get back to a more stable, more of a compromise. Not too dissimilar from Elizabeth. Not too dissimilar from Elizabeth, indeed. However, it's been a rather stressful period for Mary, and she falls very seriously ill at Jedburgh, again, when on progress. Apparently for about three weeks, she's really laid low, and potentially looks like she could be on her deathbed. Indeed, she makes a speech to her nobles, urging them 
um, to stop quarrelling amongst themselves and bring back unity. <laughs> Good luck. And discord. Well, it makes quite an impression upon the nobles. Like when Elizabeth uh, I nearly died of smallpox and mm. around the same time, they're really impressed upon, oh, God, what happens if she dies? But at least she's got James now. She does have James, but he's obviously only a baby. Um, She's saved by a French surgeon who apparently bandaged her big toes, um, her legs from the ankles upwards and arms, poured wine down her throat and administered an enema. Apparently it's the nearest thing he could do to a blood transfusion in the 16th century. What was she ill with? Well, they think ultimately it may have been a burst gastric ulcer or something from all the stress and the riding and all this sort of stuff and then just various... So they dressed her up like a mummy and shoved something up her bum and got her drunk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go to the doctor more. <laughs> now, while she, um, I think when she recovers but is had a couple of illnesses and she thinks, you know... I, I bet am. she has. Oh, I'm really ill again, <laughs> doctor. Where's that Frenchie? Bring him back. She is also affected, thinking, you know, I could die, and I do not want to leave my child yeah. in the hands of Darnley, in the hands of this divided nobility. It's all absolute chaos. Yeah. So she writes to Elizabeth, requesting that should she die, James will be sent to England and raised as Protestant with Elizabeth as his protector. So effectively, Elizabeth will raise James as her own son. That is the biggest gesture she could do, isn't it? Saying, look, Take my heir, raise him as a Protestant. None of this matters. I'm th- that's what I'm just desperate for stability. Mm. That's her completely showing her hand, isn't it? Now at this point, Elizabeth is resisting a petition for her to marry mm. in 1566, and she is not surprisingly very touched by the idea mm. and thinks, "Well, this works out quite well because I kind of think that you're the best heir anyway." Yeah. And if you die, and I can just raise, I I'm given an heir without actually having to get married and get pregnant. Yeah. This is. This and is, raise him as a Protestant. Exactly, it's, it's lovely. So, they agree to open up uh, new discussions in which effectively Mary uh, Elizabeth is saying, well, maybe we can have a little look at whether or not you could be recognised as my heir in the event of me dying without my own children. Because, actually, your son is an attractive option. So, basically, Elizabeth just goes back to what she'd been offered about four years ago huh. by the Scots. Um, Mary writes back saying that she's going to accept the term subject to a judicial examination of Henry VIII's will, which technically excludes the Stuarts from the succession. So she's saying, let's make sure that we can just get this awkward bit of legislation out of the way. They will renegotiate that Treaty of Edinburgh that's still banging Mm. on in the background. And potentially there's a way forward. So on the 8th of February in 1567, she sends uh, Earl Melville to London to negotiate an accord between this is the two. Really grown up of them, but it's something that I don't remember being mentioned so much in the Elizabeth episode when there was a discussion about uh, her succession mm. and there was all this ambiguity. It looks like actually there was maybe in Elizabeth's mind this was the best option all along. There's a problem. Oh. Two days after she sends her uh, ambassador to London, Lord Darnley is assassinated. Uh oh. And the whole plan falls apart. Who who pulled the trigger slash slashed him? Um, he'd continued to sulk with Mary all of this time, and the privy councillors are absolutely despairing of him. He starts declaring his intention to separate and live abroad. Um, <laughs> He's a right pain. All of these Scottish Marys marry so badly. Uh, the privy councillors write to Catherine de Medici saying, if he comes to you in France, please don't let him in. <laughs> <laughs> but don't send him back. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, they blame him for Mary's illnesses. They think, God, he's, he, look what he's driven her to. Yeah. Nearly killed her. Uh, as Maitland said, she has done him so great honour, and he, on the other part, has recompensed her with such ingratitude. It is heartbreak for her to think that he should be her husband, and how to free of him she sees no way out. Mm. So, on the 10th of February, 1567, Darnley was recovering uh, from an illness, probably syphilis. Uh, and Mary... Uh, sorry. <laughs> there we go. There we yeah. go. During the night, Mary leaves, because she's remembered that she's going to attend the wedding of a servant in Edinburgh. It's about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. She heads off and leaves the house. Uh, is that a bad excuse? That uh, sounds really dubious, doesn't it? On the night he's assassinated, she suddenly remembers at 10 o'clock at night he's got to mm. go and she's got a wedding. At 2 o'clock in the morning... The lodge in which he was staying is destroyed in a huge explosion. Oh. We've got gunpowder underneath the house. So this is hall burning 16th century style. Except that Darnley and his valet are discovered in the garden without any marks of an explosion on them at all. Instead, they've been strangled. Okay, right, that was really poor of the assassins. Why go to all that trouble if you're then going to... Presumably, Darnley heard the noise... Let got go. out of the house and then they were like uh no i don't think so and kill him on the outside put him in it thrown him into the thrown burning wreckage yeah, yeah. they don't know how to proper assassination so this is hugely controversial even though he hasn't got the crown matrimonial it's basically thought of as regicide well yeah i mean he's what is mm. his title then um he's i think he's actually the duke of albany <laughs> All oh, right okay that old chestnut always always a yeah. clue suspicion quickly turns to the earl of bothwell all right. Because he has been rising in Mary's favour quite a bit in recent years. Not a fan of Darnley. And as a result, suspicion also turns to Mary herself. Oh, I thought you were going to say Elizabeth. No. People yeah, think Mary and Bothwell, allied together, kill off Darnley. Oh, hang on. What do we mean by the word allied? Well, exactly. That right. is what we mean by allied. Oh, let me just... There we go. I'm going to bring this closer because <laughs> this decade is full of it. Bothwell is a sort of stocky military adventurer. Apparently oh. he's fought at least a dozen duels. Uh, Protestant, but as he said, very loyal to the Scottish monarchy. Um, he was the Sheriff of Edinburgh, which means he's the one that has to go off and investigate. And apparently he ordered the onlookers to go home and refused to let anybody examine Darnley's body. Yeah. Now, Mary at this point basically seems to suffer a nervous collapse and just reason abandons her. Mm-hmm. Again, understandable given everything that's been going on. Her husband has now been blown up. From her perspective, <laughs> she probably thinks that she was a target because if she's not guilty of assassinating Darnley, then she thinks, God, if I hadn't left the house, they'd have got me. They must have wanted to kill me. I see, I see it as she's complicit and she left mm. the house. Well, we'll consider that, of mm. course, in the next episode with Scandal. But international onlookers, including Elizabeth, strongly urge her to ensure that justice is done. And Elizabeth basically says, even if it's somebody close to you, yeah. wink, wink, you've still got to make sure that justice is done. The problem is that Mary is seeing enemies everywhere, and Bothwell seems to be about the only man she can actually rely on. Mm. So... The Earl of Lennox, the father of Darnley, uh, denounces Bothwell as the murderer and uh, brings a prosecution against him. But Bothwell fills the town where he's going to be tried with armed supporters. So Lennox obviously doesn't show up because he thinks he'll probably be killed and consequently Bothwell is acquitted. Right. Brilliant. Justice. I, I, I'm <coughs> just imagining this. I do it quite a lot when you're telling me these fascinating <laughs> missives. That, um, of this happening today... Mm. 
so Prince Philip <laughs> goes off to say a hunting lodge in Scotland and is blown up. <laughs> yes. It's just it's crackers all this all these machinations. Yeah. And then uh, well, and then what happens next? What happens next? Mary goes off to see uh, her son James at Stirling Castle. Um, she went initially with Bothwell, but uh, Bothwell wasn't allowed in. In fact, only Mary and a couple of her ladies allowed in because the Earl of Mar that's looking after him thinks something fishy is going on here, and I don't think we can be letting the air out. Yeah, who are these people that man the gates at castles? They have an awful <laughs> lot of power. Mary needs to really put her foot down and say, no, I'm queen, right? You're going to let my chum in. Well, this is actually a guy that she's put uh, in charge of James's safekeeping because he's kind of a moderate, he's loyal. But because he's a moderate, he's reading the situation. He's like, I really don't think it's a good idea if Bothwell heads off with it's... Prince James. So he's like, no, I'm looking after the prince. He stays here. You can come and look at him. But don't take him off. So Mary sees James for a couple of days, and um, and then she leaves him for what will rather tragically be the last time. Oh. It's only about a year old. This is the last time she'll ever see him because when she's on her way to Holyrood House, she is abducted by Bothwell. No. Takes her to Dunbar Castle, and possibly rapes her. Oh man. This is uncertain, it's debated. This is something we will have to discuss in the review episode about whether or not Mary is Mm. complicit in all of this. But Bothwell heads off, secures an annulment from his wife, who was the sister of the Earl of Huntley, so that kind of severs that alliance. Twelve days later, just three months after Darnley died, Bothwell and Mary are married. Yeah, rather than they enter a marriage, they are married, as in... It sounds quite forced. So is Mary trying to save her honour by mm. making the best of a bad situation? Were they always in league? And this is just later propaganda that spread. That's a moot point. But either way, she is now married to Bothwell. And for everybody else in Europe who thinks that Bothwell is guilty of killing Darnley I, yeah, yeah. and suspect Mary's involvement, the fact that they've got married three months later... Where does it? But where does this sit in the in light of the religious question? Because mm. Darnley was a Catholic, but Catholic, related but... to a Protestant queen. Mm. So, it's, so it looks like an attack on a Protestant nation, right? Well, Darnley then becomes you know this sort of font of all things virtuous and this yeah. great man that everybody loved. Yeah. He became much more popular in death than he was in mm. life. Um, it's a Protestant marriage. Bothwell Bothwell is is Protestant. So So this means that not only has he lost, um, he's already, obviously, he's a rival of Murray and people like that. They already hate him and they think he's way too powerful here. We can't let this happen. But the Catholics that might have supported Mary don't approve of A, Bothwell divorcing his wife, and B, then marrying Mary in a Protestant ceremony. So he's actually alienated everybody. Yeah, Mary would never have married a Protestant, right? Well. Anyway, it's an appalling scandal. Everybody's upset about this. And so uh, the old Confederate lords, we've got uh, Morton, Argyle, Athol, Mar, they all pledged to rescue Mary mm. from the Earl of Bothwell. Now, Mary seems to have been not really in control of everything that's going on, but she kind of comes back to her senses and the prospect of war and with Bothwell raises an army and it meets the... Protestant lords at Carberry Hill, just outside of Who Edinburgh. are trying to rescue her? They're trying to rescue her. Ostensibly. But she now is in league with her captor, Stockholm Syndrome, perhaps. And also she is 
pregnant at uh. this stage. So she doesn't want to do anything that's going to imperil the father. Definitely the father? Well, the children, ultimately, because if she abandons Bothwell, then she's going to illegitimise any children that she might have had but by Bothwell. So this, the, the pregnancy is Bothwell's? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Right. So the armies meet at Carberry Hill, but they're reluctant to actually fight each other. And after a very long day of sort of protracted negotiations, um, Mary ultimately agrees that she will hand herself in over to the lords, in return for which Bothwell will be allowed to escape and not be killed. Mm. Right. Because by this point, actually, quite a few of their troops have just run off. There's not much motivation there, is there? Not a lot of motivation, really. Um, Bothwell manages to escape to Norway, but is imprisoned. (laughs) <laughs> uh, partly because he was um, brought to a court by a lover that he'd spurned many years ago and really? said he'd marry. But he's also seen as a pawn, potentially, for the Norwegians to get Orkney and Shetland back. Ah, right. He ends up just being left in jail, and he uh, dies in 1578, apparently having gone insane, because he's just locked up. Oh, like proper jail? Proper jail. Not noble no, jail? No, actual jail. Why did he choose to go there, then? Well, he just sort of goes off. I think he's trying to get he's trying to get to Denmark or somewhere else, basically, and he just, you know... He... Ah, I'd have tried Ireland. <laughs> anyway, everything now should be fine, because Bothwell has gone off, Mary's gone back to the Lords, she's been rescued. Hurrah! Can she annul that marriage, though? Because he's not actually dead at the moment. She he's... could, but she doesn't want to, because she's pregnant. Oh, God, I keep doing that. And this is quite a big sticking point, because that means that there's... You know, they haven't still been able to prise her away from Bothwell entirely. They mm. don't know. You know, he could come back at some point. They yeah. don't know that. So the lords aren't quite sure what to do with her. Um, they bring her to Edinburgh, where she's taunted by mobs that they've basically arranged, screaming, burn the whore, burn the murderess. Oh, dear. They then take her to Loch Leven, um, and she's taken to a castle on the island in the middle of the loch, and uh, she arrives there on the 15th of June, and she's basically now just a prisoner. So there's no pretense now. She's not being restored to the throne. She's not being rescued. They now don't think that they can have her back as queen. But she is queen. Like, she so is she, queen. Yeah. She is queen, but they don't really want yeah. her to be. So she's actually staying with Murray's mother, <laughs> Margaret Erskine. Right. Oh, why do we know? Erskine Castle. Yeah. Mm, there we go. She arrives on the 15th of June in uh, 1567. About five days later, she miscarries twins. Oh, well, I mean, it's absolutely horrible. Mm. But from the Lord's point of view, does that tidy things up a bit? It could have done, but um, it seems like things have gone a bit too far. On the 24th of July, so just about a month later, a chap called Lord Lindsay bursts into the room with a delegation from the Lord's and demands that Mary abdicate on the grounds that she is exhausted in mind and body. Uh, she probably is, poor love. Mm. Um, and these lords are Protestant. They're Protestant. So yeah. she's going to abdicate in favour of her son, James, who will become James VI, and she will appoint Murray as the regent. Okay. She's all right with that? I mean, no. Well, no, she's not. She refuses, but oh. Lindsay basically threatens to kill her. <laughs> and she's seen summary justice. Yeah, and if we think back to James Third and that sort of aftermath where after the rebellion he happened to be slain, mm. you know, she doesn't exactly feel secure. So she agrees, she abdicates, though she says, when God shall set me at liberty again, I shall not abide these, for it is done against my will. So she's threatening that, right? She's saying... I'm abdicating, but this won't stand. If you let go of my hand, I'm going to come back and try and kill you. That's (laughs) not sensible. 
So, she's still imprisoned, but she has abdicated. James VI is now a baby king. But th- this this is uh, noble prison? This uh, No, she, well, noblish prison. She's okay. on a, in a castle on an island. But she's not, like, chained and manacled. No, she's not chained up. So the reign of Mary, Queen of Scots, is now over. Right. But the life of Mary, Queen of Scots, very much still continuing. Okay, so it's uh, next episode we're going to judge it up to this point. Yes. Right. But we might still consider, you know, if she's courageous, if she's scandalous, etc. Yeah. Okay. A junior member of the family in the castle apparently basically just falls in love with Mary, mm. as young men have a tendency to do. He helps pass letters to uh, some loyal nobles on the outside, because not everybody's happy with the abdication. For many people, this has gone way too far. Mm. Um, she initially tries to escape by dressing up as a washerwoman, mm. as ever a Stuart. They love to dress up. They do. Uh, but the boatman recognises her by her smooth white hands. <laughs> yeah, that would be a hell of a giveaway in those days, mm. wouldn't it? Uh, so he rows her back. But then, the next escape is more successful. The castle page sabotages all but one of the boats at the castle. So that when, then when the family are at dinner, Mary sneaks out, is rowed across the loch. Nobody can follow her back because all the boats have got mm. holes in them. Horses have been provided, and she rides off to freedom. Good escape. Good escape. Yeah, really solid. Now, as you said, many nobles were angered by the deposition, and they rally to her cause. Within a week, she's got 6,000 troops behind her. Which this, is yeah. much stronger than the army that Murray could call mm. to his uh, support at this point. So, Mar- uh, Mary is now going to march to Dumbarton Castle mm. on the other side of the country. So she's going to have big castles on one side, big castles on the other side. And Murray is going to be squeezed. squeezed. He realises that things are pretty desperate at this point. So he intercepts her army on the way. Now, they're outnumbered, Murray and his forces, but they've got quite capable leaders, and unfortunately the Earl of Argyll for Mary falls ill and does a pretty bad job, and it's a terrible defeat for Mary's forces. They lose the Battle of Langside, and Mary is forced to flee the battle. And she panics, again, that James III scenario, so she sends a letter to Elizabeth I asking for aid in recovering the throne. Oh, not just not just keep me alive, actually support my cause. Indeed. But she doesn't wait for a response and she makes a fateful decision to cross the border into England. Oh, gosh. From where she will never return. No. And her little boy's all right. Of course he's all right, but, I mean, he's he's not in the hands of enemies at this point. Well, her enemies, but he's obviously going to be raised the way that they want him to be, because he's just a baby, so he's yeah. going to be raised as a Protestant. He's going to be raised to hate his mother and see her as an evil, oh. conniving Catholic. Oh, poor little chaffinch. Mm. Exile! So, Mary's in England, and this causes something of a dilemma. As you said, Elizabeth was quite sympathetic to the idea before of maybe recognising Mary as her heir. She was Mm. certainly more sympathetic to Mary than anybody else. Yeah. And she is appalled when Mary is deposed as Queen. She sees this as an absolute, you know, it's, um, what's the word, sacrilegious. Mm, Because it's her motto, isn't it? Um, Always the same. She Mm. wants stability. Exactly. It's stability and also it's um, deposing an anointed monarch. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. She threatens to go to war with Scotland if they don't restore Mary to the throne. So it makes sense for Mary to ask for her support then? It does make sense. Mary doesn't actually know what Elizabeth has been doing. And actually, if Mary refused to abdicate, would the Lords have risked killing her? Because Elizabeth probably would have invaded if that had happened. Yeah. 
Oh, that's a sliding doors moment then, isn't it? Mary doesn't know what's going on. She's just in a castle being told her throat's going to be slit. So Elizabeth is sympathetic, but Mary actually coming to England Mm. causes all sorts of problems because now, after being quite stable, suddenly Elizabeth has got her nearest blood relative and a Catholic in northern England, which is kind of a bit Catholic-y and rebellious anyway. And she, Mary's sort of forcing Elizabeth's hand, which is something that she doesn't like to do. She likes to take time with decisions and everything, doesn't exactly. she? Exactly. The worst thing that could possibly have happened. Mm. Now, Mary's position is not still completely um, desperate because Elizabeth does sympathise, but the problem is Cecil does not. Oh, this old chap. As you said, this is where when people focus on the rivalry between Elizabeth and Mary, actually Elizabeth is much more sympathetic. Elizabeth believes in the legitimate dynastic rights. So it's monarchy before religion. Mm. Even though Mary's Catholic, she thinks, look, this is how the order of succession goes. That's where Mary is. Got to respect that. Cecil is much more in line with John Knox. He thinks that the most important thing is preserving the Protestant state. Mm. He puts that much more above Mm. monarchy. Mm. Anyway... Cecil's still very much against it. But Elizabeth is sympathetic. Many of the nobles in Scotland are still sympathetic and indeed are still fighting for Mary in Mm. Scotland. And her cause is seen as the just one. It's an unfair deposition. James's coronation is apparently about the worst attended in Scottish history. (sighs) Nobody's very enthusiastic about it. But even though it's it's Mary's son. Yeah, but it's because Mary's the rightful queen. Should be queen. Yeah. The Earl of Murray is assassinated in 1570. How? Uh, he's shot. Oh, is that the first shooting? It we've might had? be the first assassination. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Mary's supporters occupy Edinburgh in 1571. Mm. So there's still a pretty good chance of Mary being restored to the throne at this stage. She is still hopeful. Okay. And uh, and Elizabeth would be okay with that. Elizabeth would be okay with that. She'd certainly quite like her not to be in England anymore. She would, but wouldn't the best outcome? I've, I've got to just talk these things through in my head to get the politics right Mm. isn't the best outcome for elizabeth what's happening now couldn't she keep mary under lock and key james the first is being brought up protestant Mm. they're related yeah all's well but elizabeth genuinely believes in monarchy business the monarchy business yeah she also it's not that great having a figurehead for catholics in england to have that figurehead actually in England. You can see what's going to happen here. She's going to be forced to make some sort of decision. She's going to be forced to make some decisions. Now, unfortunately for Mary, external events rather diminish her prospects. In 1569, we have Northern Rebellion in England. Mm. So uh, this is where there's a suggestion of a marriage between the Earl of Norfolk and Mary, Queen of Scots, um, which would be very popular among the Northern Lords, who are all quite Catholic. So they think, this is great, we'll have a Catholic mm. succession. So the, these northern lords are pretending to be Protestant. They actually want a bit of the... They want a bit of yeah. the Catholicness back. Um, Elizabeth is furious when she hears rumours about this, imprisons the Duke of Norfolk, and so the earls of Northumberland and Westmoreland decide to take action into their own hands, occupy Durham, destroy Protestant prayer books, and celebrate mass in the cathedral. Um, they march south, but the re- rebellion quickly disperses in face of an English army. But and this is as you're saying, this is all because actually now there's now there's Mary's there. Around. Yeah, there are so consequences. What's the, his name? The um, Cecil. Cecil. This is going to play right into his hands, isn't it? It is. Uh, Norfolk is imprisoned in the Tower of London. Northumberland is caught by the Scots, returned to England, and executed. And Westmoreland flees to the continent. 
The next year, in 1570, Pope Pius V, in his Reglans in Excelsis, excommunicates Elizabeth and absolves Catholics, Catholic subjects from any allegiance to her. Why, does, why should Elizabeth care if the Pope excommunicates her? Because that means that her Catholic subjects are basically given a licence to assassinate her. He's saying, oh. she's excommunicate, she is no longer your legal sovereign, you can kill her and put somebody else on the throne. This basically means that any Catholic subject is a potential dissident, mm. rather changes the tone. Mm. And then 1571, we have the Rodolfi plot. A Florentine banker plots for the Duke of Alba uh, from Spain to come over, invade with about 10,000 men, ferment a rebellion in the north, uh, murder Elizabeth, marry Elizabeth, uh, marry Mary to the Duke of Norfolk, Mm. Catholic yeah. restoration. Oh dear, she, she doesn't. Mary doesn't seem to be having any say in this. This is all completely out of her hands. Well, this is the thing. Does she know what's going on? Doesn't she know what's mm. going on? We'll kind of look at this in scandal. She's certainly not um, signed anything incriminating. <laughs> Just like Elizabeth. Mm. Fifteen seventy-two. However, the Duke of Norfolk is beheaded. Yeah, that for his part yeah, in these rebellions. Enough. So Elizabeth's council is now convinced that Mary represents a mortal threat to Elizabeth and she's got to be done away with. They want her dead. Elizabeth doesn't, but equally she does now see Mary as a problem. So although she's not willing to kill her, she's no longer willing to support her cause anymore. Mm. And then 1573, Edinburgh falls and Mary's supporters in Scotland are defeated. So Mary's hopes of reclaiming the Scottish throne are finished. So her only role now... Just to sit about being awkward. It's sit about being awkward, but her only useful role to anyone is to be a figurehead for disruption in England. Exactly. So Cecil obviously thinks, let's just kill her. Come on. <laughs> this is my life's ambition, is to end the life of this poor woman. Yes. Oh, he it's is so close. He is a right piece of work. Her early years, she came over to England via the Solway Firth in a fishing boat, mm. landed in Workington, then was transferred to Carlisle Castle. Um, she then gets moved to Bolton Castle in Yorkshire. And while Elizabeth and Cecil argue what to actually do about her, she's mm. just sort of kept under wraps. Um, the Earl of Shrewsbury... <laughs> she would like that, given her mummy experience. <laughs> uh, the Earl of Shrewsbury is then charged with uh, keeping her for most of the period that she's in England. He's the most senior nobleman after Norfolk in the country, and then, I suppose, the most senior <laughs> nobleman. So Norfolk was the most senior nobleman when he was beheaded? He was the only duke in England. Right. Okay, that's that's big. Mm. Hence why a marriage between Norfolk and Mary would have been oh, yeah. quite big. And poor old Shrewsbury basically has to pay Mary's costs himself because Elizabeth isn't willing to stump up the costs. No. Yeah. Mary's got quite high demands. She initially stays in Tutbury Castle in the Midlands, which is quite useful because it's quite distant from the north mm. and rescue is quite distant from London, Elizabeth. It's not anywhere near the sea. Mm. It's kind of the safest, most isolated <laughs> yeah. point that yeah. they can find. Um, but it's not a particularly comfortable existence, so Shrewsbury negotiates that she can stay and move around at his various other mansions that he's got in the Ooh. Midlands and in Derbyshire. Elizabeth won't like that, will she? Oh, she's used to it, as long as it's under very close observation. Okay. Oh, is um, Dudley still around? Uh, he is still around. Because he's in the Midlands. He's yes, in Kenilworth. Uh, she could charge him to look after it. Why am I saying this? It didn't happen. But, I mean, I would have done that. She, yeah. He's loyal. Yes. Um, well, but, you know... You they nearly, had a, they mm. nearly had a bit of a thing, didn't they? Actually? They had a bit yeah. of a thing. Yeah. 
Um, so Mary's moving around these various houses. She also stays um, at Chatsworth and Hardwick in Derbyshire because Shrewsbury's married to Bess of Hardwick. Ah. About whom we'll be doing a special episode after yes. we've done Mary. Um, a very formidable woman, the richest woman in Tudor England after Elizabeth herself. Wow. Uh, they spend a lot of time together, particularly embroidering, which is one of Mary's um, more relaxing <laughs> when she's times. yeah when she's not plotting european diplomacy yeah uh so they spend a lot of time doing that the work they did together apparently still on display at hardwick hall and uh, oxborough huh. um you know gossiping about court life all this sort of stuff they fall out a bit when bess of hardwick arranges a marriage for her daughter to darnley's younger brother oh uh, that would have stirred up some memories and there it? are also rumors that mary's having an affair with bess's husband not the ideal house guest. <laughs> not the ideal house guest. Um, but Mary is able to live in some luxury. Her rooms are decorated with magnificent tapestry. She's got Turkish carpets, velvet upholstered chairs. She's got lots of attendants, both for her own convenience, but also to make sure she doesn't run away. And presumably now she is back checking her food, her sprouts yes. for poison. Yeah, Sprouts being checked for poison. Household apparently second in size in England, only to Elizabeth's. Right. So she's living in some comfort. Yeah. So it's not a bad existence in many ways. She's not having to no. deal with the Scottish laws anymore. She just, you know. Yeah. I mean, th- I, that's what I'm getting at. Like, couldn't she? She should have taken this opportunity before to see this as some sort of retirement. Mind you, I think I think actually what I mean is that all of this power politics scares the bejesus out of me, and <laughs> I would have taken the first out I could. But no, she doesn't. She does not. She still thinks of herself as queen. Fair enough. I mean, it should be fair. There's only been five days in her life where she hasn't been queen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and she doesn't have a good memory of that. Yeah, um, she's often quite bored as she's not al- allowed to go out an awful lot, as yeah. you can imagine. She does do, get to do a little bit of hunting, but very strictly supervised. Mm. Um, but she is sometimes allowed to take visits at certain places. She's allowed to go to a spa at Buxton, ah. which of course in Derbyshire, not too far from Chatsworth. And ironically, she does twice in Buxton meet Dudley. Really, <laughs> she does. When you say a spa, mm. when, and you say meet Dudley, <laughs> are they in swimming trunks in a pool? Uh, I'm not sure the exact circumstances. There's no suggestion that Mary and Dudley have a particularly strong attachment to each other. Okay, the water didn't turn sparkling in Buxton. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know what I mean by that. LAUGHTER <laughs> Uh, and on occasions, Elizabeth herself obviously goes to Buxton visits, and there were times where they were only just one or two miles away from each other. They've never met at this point. They've never they? met, but whenever Elizabeth is nearby and hears that Mary's at Buxton, she changes her plans and heads off somewhere else. Would Mary still have wanted to meet? I think she would have absolutely well. leapt at the chance. That would have been her golden ticket out of there potentially. But Elizabeth doesn't want to because of because Mary now is just a pain. Yeah. She's still a pain. She's just there, kicking around. Um, her health suffers in this period as well. Um, because she's very inactive, she's very stressed. It's not a particularly yeah. fun time for her anymore. Um, particularly at winter, she really seems to suffer. Um, she Her gastric ulcers return. That's obviously a stress mm. thing. Neuralgia. Deep vein thrombosis as well, probably, she's suffering from. Gosh, she's not in a good way, is she? Apparently 1582, her legs were so inflamed she could hardly walk. How old is she now? Oh, so she's only 40 at this point, but she's aged quite prematurely by mm. a pretty chaotic 
<laughs> life. So she, she's lost her looks. Lost her looks a little bit. Um, she's yearning for news of James uh, in this period. Oh. There's uh, no contact until 1585, apparently. That's heartbreaking. And she knows that he's being brought up by her enemies in Scotland as well, which is doubly galling, and as a Protestant. That's why she's ill, isn't it? I mean, she's still hunting, she's doing a tapestry, she might be bored, but that would be eating away at her. And apparently she says at one point, when asked about health, only the Queen of England can cure this malady. Because it's really all in Elizabeth's hands, if there's anything she would do. Oh. Oh, Oh, that's awful. Now, in the 1580s, international events once again bring Mary back to the centre of Elizabeth's story. This is a sad story now, isn't it? Hmm. Philip II of Spain has lost patience with England, and uh, he sees them as a major obstacle to defeating a Protestant rebellion in the Netherlands, which Spain had uh, previously conquered. So he is now out to get Elizabeth. Okay. Mary, thus, is brought back into the limelight as a clear and present danger and a potential source of interest for Spain Mm -hmm. as a way of getting rid of uh, Elizabeth. The Earl of Shrewsbury is recalled to London and Mary is transferred initially to the care of Sir Ralph Sadler, who um, was the chap who investigated her for Henry VIII all the way back in 1543. Investigated Elizabeth? To check what she was like. No, Mary. Mary. He went up to Scotland to see how the little baby was in 1543. right. So she's now staying with him. He's 77 at this point. Wow. Oh, I imagine the conversations they had. I remember you (laughs) when your legs were were working, (laughs) but you didn't know how to use them. Uh, But she's then transferred into the uh, control of a man called uh, Amias Paulet, who is a Calvinist ally of Sir Francis Walsingham, one of Elizabeth's spymasters. She'll hate that. He has absolutely no sympathy for Mary. He goes about her rooms tearing down her coats of arms and all this sort of stuff. Oh, it's unnecessary, isn't it? He's not sympathetic. Mary is now staying in not-such-pleasant castles, and she's not really having a very enjoyable experience, so she is now a bit more defiant and a bit more open to approaches for some kind of solution to her situation. The old Tudor stick, once again. She does have one last hope of a turnaround in Scotland, because a chap called Esme Stewart, or the uh, Sieur d'Aubigny, who's a cousin, again, of Darnley, comes from the French court to Scotland, captivates the young teenage James VI, reforms the court in the French model, and has the Earl of Morton, who had been uh, the regent, executed in 1580 for his role in the murder of Darnley. Whoa, hang on. This chap just arrives from France, turns everything on his head, and has the power to murder the regent. Mm. Gosh. Do we? Hang, hang on, I know uh, James VI slash first <laughs> proclivities as well. Is there any suggestion that we could do that? Well, maybe we will consider that in the uh, James VI episode. Um, probably not, I think, but certainly highly influenced by maybe a young crush. I don't imagine there'd have been anything more s- than that. But, but that's... I mean, that's an incredibly powerful emotion, isn't it? And to have that much power that quickly, I can't see how else. Mm. In 1582, unfortunately, James is imprisoned again by the Protestants and Albany is expelled. But in 1583, James, at the age of 16, escapes and declares his majority. Yeah, good. He is now in control and Mary thinks, finally, they're all gone, all these evil people ruling my son. And she writes to James and Elizabeth suggesting that they share the throne of Scotland... So Mary and James rule Scotland together, delay their claim to England, so in the meantime, recognise Elizabeth as a rightful queen, but potentially if she dies... That is, that's quite a hope, isn't it? That could work really well. Mm. Unfortunately for Mary, plots are still afoot. In 1583, again, we have the Throckmorton plot, 
couple of brothers plotted to assassinate Elizabeth Crown Mary. It's quickly discovered by Walsingham, and Mary is placed under very strict confinement. Thro- We've heard that name before. Yes, it's there was a chap called Sir Nicholas Throckmorton. It's not him, but I think he is like an uncle. Or, okay. Uh, he's now dead, but he is a bit of a relative to these mm. chaps. So in 1584, in view of all this dangerous stuff going on, Walsingham and Cecil draft a document called the Bond of Association, which obliges any signatory to execute or just murder somebody who attempts to usurp or assassinate Elizabeth. So it's like a law. If you have a, if you have a go, yeah. you're going to be murdered without trial. And also anybody who seeks to gain from this. So in other words, if there's a plot to assassinate Elizabeth and put Mary on the throne... We're just going to go on a murdering spree. We'll kill Mary as well as everybody else. Oh yeah, but it makes that makes Elizabeth incredibly powerful. That's more powerful than Henry. I mean, Elizabeth doesn't like it actually because it's effectively sort of giving power to Parliament almost over her to kill on her behalf. Yeah, yeah. but there is a real panic um, about assassination for Elizabeth. William of Orange, the resistance leader for the Netherlands, is assassinated. So there is a real fear that she will be assassinated. Now, William, William. James, of course, has got this letter from Mary saying, why don't we team up, bring me back to Scotland, we'll rule together and everything will be lovely. Yeah. He rejects this offer because he's had a better one. He says he will honour her always with the title of the Queen Mother and instead signs a mutual defensive treaty with Elizabeth, who has offered to recognise him as King of Scots which he hasn't previously done. So she is now saying, I acknowledge you, not Mary, as monarch in Scotland. Maybe we can be friends, and maybe in future we might come to some kind of understanding about a job you might take. He's killed his mother, hasn't he? He has basically killed his mother in 1586 with the Treaty of Berwick. She is now no longer relevant, really. She is nothing but a problem for everybody. And this is all because she... James doesn't know his mother and has been poisoned against her. He's been told that she murdered his father. Yeah, but her his captors, he escaped from his captors, so he might, can't have a lot of love for them, but st- either way, yeah, all right, this is horrible. He um, sees that his future really is much better aligned with Elizabeth than doing all this stuff with Mary. Because oh. that's really cynical of Elizabeth as well, that she knows that this kid, because he doesn't know his own mother, will choose will choose politics over her. Well, also, even if he does know her, you know, she's inferring, I suppose, that maybe he might get to be King of England mm. if he plays ball. That's horrible. Why would he want to go with Mary's solution? Mary's, of course, devastated at this mm. rejection by her own son, and she now really is kind of willing to try anything, as Paula, her jailer, said. When she was at the lowest, that her heart was at the greatest, and being prepared for extremity, she would provoke her enemies to do the worst. In other words... If you push her into a corner, she's going to lash out and do something crazy. But why doesn't she, when she's in this corner, sign their lover document, sign a document saying, I renounce... If She's got no hope left. She should just renounce all claims to any throne. <laughs> but she, she, does have a cl- she does have a hope left. She's got a hope that the Spanish will intervene, murder Elizabeth and make her the Queen, which they would be happy to do. <laughs> Oh man, I'm just not a gambling man. <laughs> I just, I'd say, just problem just... is, even if you're not a gambling man, is Elizabeth going to gamble that you're not a gambling man if you say you're not a gambling man? Off you go to Spain? Yeah. Off you go to my enemy. Uh, <laughs> to France? Army. They don't want to. Can't she just, uh, just go Catherine somewhere? <laughs> go somewhere where they'll put her in prison, sure. 
but in luxury. Mm. I'm trying to save this woman's life, Graham. Help me. <laughs> Francis Walsingham mm. comes to the fore here. He is absolutely ingenious at getting informants yeah. in the right places. Um, he previously had someone in the French embassy, mm. and Mary is aware of this. And miraculously for Mary, when she's at her lowest ebb with no contact with the outside world, suddenly a sympathetic Catholic emerges in her household. Huh. So she is writing to him saying, oh, you need to be careful because that Walsingham, he's probably got a mole in the French embassy. We should probably write in codes. Um, here's, a, here's a code for you so you can encrypt the letter so it won't be deciphered. Uh, yeah, we're going to get them. We're going to get our way out of this. Oh, man. Obviously, Walsingham has already turned this chap. And in fact, Mary is basically just sending her letters straight to Walsingham. And she's given him the code to decipher all the letters. Oh, and presumably this code was one that's been used so... All all of her correspondence now is open. Mm. It's the um, it's the Enigma device. So in 1586, another plot is discovered, the Babington plot, and it's uh. the same one as always: assassinate Elizabeth, make Mary Queen. Walsingham discovers it very early on, but he lets it play out because he thinks, right now, I've got Mary's correspondence coming to me. Yeah. All I need is for her to sign her name to this, and then we've got her. Yeah, it's got it's bomb commentary because we've got the Enigma machine. So. Mary writes her coded messages. The system is that she places them in this uh, stopper of a beer barrel. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love that. They're then taken out, uh. deciphered by Walsingham's man. Yeah. He makes a copy, sends it to Walsingham, and meanwhile the actual letters are sent on to their intended recipient, Mary, none the wiser. Yeah. Okay. So the plot is, as you said, assassinates uh, Elizabeth, bring troops over, Mary becomes queen... And Mary responds to Babington's proposition with a very clear acceptance that she is on board. That's her death warrant then, isn't it? It is her death warrant. It's so much a death warrant that actually Walsingham uh, uh, draws a little picture of a gallows in the letter. He's got her. um, Who was the chap who always wanted to kill her? Cecil. So Walsingham is working for Cecil, obviously. Okay, so Cecil knew about this. Cecil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Snail mail. Mm. Very slow. Yeah. Even slower if you can only send a letter mm. when enough beer has been drunk. <laughs> was it ever suspicious that a lot of beer was getting drunk or Mary was encouraging people to drink beer? <laughs> Come on, down the hatch, love, down the hatch. So Mary is now really being caught pretty red-handed. Yeah. Of course, unfortunately for her, she doesn't know that she's been caught red-handed because no. she doesn't know that Walsingham's been doing this. So she is going to be put on trial at uh, Fotheringay Castle. Now, she disputes the very idea of being put on trial because she says she's not a subject, therefore how can you put me on trial? Mm-hmm. I'm not subject to your laws. But she realises that they'll just, you know, try That's her anyway. Starter, yeah. She's not allowed a lawyer. She's not allowed to call witnesses and she's not allowed to examine the evidence. Consequent, uh Well, just because they don't want her to. Because they can. <laughs> yeah. Consequently, she doesn't realise just how much Walsingham knows yeah. about her involvement so she's trying to claim her innocence and she is just really shocked when all these letters are brought out oh that feeling when you know you're caught red-handed as well mm. it's quite there's quite a parallel though to when elizabeth was under not arrest but under certainly mm. well she was in prison in the tower of london by mary tudor but th- that's when she um was able to, instead of giving the go-ahead to any plots, was sort of to give a nod without saying yes. That mm. shows her uh, canny where perhaps this Mary doesn't have it. Without getting into the scandal, this is kind of what Mary Queen of Scots has been doing before, but she 
now they've got this direct correspondence it's it's too much they've they've got her this time um she's so shocked about the she can't doesn't believe that they can actually have this evidence because she thinks that she's got this coded system yeah so walsingham actually has the the gall to stand up and protest that his integrity has been called into question because he knows he's got this yeah but also he's like i wouldn't fake it it's real yeah. How dare you accuse me of such underhand tactics? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mary actually apologises to him and says, Sorry, I didn't mean to oh. pune your honour. Um, but she's still trying to wheedle her way out of it. She's using semantics. She's kind of effectively trying to argue that Elizabeth, by not supporting her, by pushing her, has effectively trapped her in this position where she can't be anything but a rebel. She's trying to get her way out of it. And Cecil has had enough. So he stands up and tells her. Um, that any short, any of the results that have happened are the results of her own shortcomings and not Elizabeth. So Mary at this point turns to him and says, Ah, I see you are my adversary. So oh, she's, he's exposed... Yeah, finally, this is the person behind the scenes all the time. So she says, Yay, I am adversary to all Queen Elizabeth's adversaries. This great standoff right at the end. Yes, yeah, so he, this man has, has been trying to do this all his life and her life. Mm. Rather, um, <laughs> and she finally sees behind the uh, what's it called? The, the person, the... no, the uh, finally sees behind the yellow brick road. The Still Wizard one. of Oz, mm. he's he's the one pulling all the strings at the end, isn't yeah. he? Oh man, what a scene! Obviously, she's found guilty, yeah. But Elizabeth had written to Cecil ordering him to delay sentencing. Now, Parliament petitions Elizabeth to have Mary executed. Yeah. But is she going to agree to it? It's um, it's quite a good reason to do something, isn't it? If like if if your argument is that you've been back to the corner and actually the only thing I can do to save my life mm. is this, yeah, that would stand up today when you get a you'd get a lenient <laughs> sentence. But mm. their argument presumably is yeah, but you've got to. Like the ultimate aim in life is to protect the queen, so you've got to. If it means getting killed, fine. Yeah. How awful arguments. So, the re the problem is, you might think this is she's her days are numbered now, but all yeah. the way back in fifteen seventy two, when Norfolk was executed, hmm. Duke of Norfolk, Cecil pushed to have Mary convicted of treason as well. Successive speakers in Parliament denounced her, called for her execution. Elizabeth refused anything more than excluding her from the succession, and then when they passed a bill to exclude Mary from the succession, Elizabeth vetoed it. So as Cecil wrote to Walsingham, all that we have laboured for and had with full consent brought to fashion was by Her Majesty neither assented to nor rejected, but deferred. Ah. So they're now in this position, they've got Mary, she's guilty, but will Elizabeth actually bite the bullet and agree for execution? The thing is, Elizabeth thinks it's really crossing a line she doesn't want to cross. The whole monarchy thing. For a divinely appointed monarch to be executed by an act of parliament. And she's right in a way, of course, you know, 100 years later. Not not even 100 years later, the English monarch will be killed, the French monarchy. You know, it does... It opens a can of worms. Open a can of worms. That's not to say that she doesn't want Mary dead. She prevaricates for weeks, but she did actually try to persuade the jailer, Paulet, to arrange an accident. (laughs) Ha! Like so, uh, why? What kind of accident could she have in prison? (laughs) Accidentally, brutally cut her head off while combing her hair. Oh, that kind of accident. Yeah, yeah. Because she can say, "Look, we've got this bond of association that you people all signed. This is an attempt to kill me. You've got a duty to, you know, 
sorted out. So it's come in handy, that bond. And that means it's not Parliament doing it, it's an individual, yeah. which is different. Okay, so all this time she's looking for a way out, an excuse, but with the end to be her death. Now, Paul has long boasted of how uh, opposed he is to Mary, how he'll do anything for Elizabeth and the Protestant cause. So he writes back to Elizabeth... I am so unhappy to have lived to see this unhappy day in which I am required by direction from my most gracious sovereign to make so foul a shipwreck of my conscience or leave so great a blot on my poor posterity to shed blood without law or warrant. Hmm, he's changed his tune, hasn't he? Elizabeth is infuriated by what he, she calls his daintiness. <laughs> so she, she replies, you big girl's blouse? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. But... She ultimately gives in. She signs the death warrant. Oh, she does? But she gives specific orders that the execution will not take place without her subsequent order. So she's signed it. She's saying, I need to sign it twice. Effectively. And she signed it once. Mm. Opening the door to someone to kill her with royal authority. Cecil, of course, snaps this right up, convenes a secret meeting of the Privy Council and dispatches the warrant to Fotheringay Castle for her execution to be carried out. That's a bit forward, isn't it? He might get it as well. It is quite forward. Is he going to get it? Well, it's one of these things. Does Elizabeth say, don't do it, but equally, I'm giving you enough that you might. And it gives her then the out. Hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's going to happen. Mary Queen of Scots is going to be executed. We're at Fotheringay Castle in Northamptonshire, the birthplace of Richard III. She's dressed all in black, but for a white linen veil with a big black satin gown flowing down to the ground. Yeah, she's got. Eight, she's had ages to plan this. She has. She is absolutely playing this yeah. uh, scenario for because she knows it's going to reverberate across Europe. It's her mm. last moment on the big stage. Yeah, she's got no more chance left, but she mm. can play this bit as well as she can. It's just got posterity now. Mm. Um, she goes on stage in front of all the nobles stage. that are there to witness it. Well, there is a yeah, stage, stage yeah, in front of yeah. you know. Um, the execution warrant is read out in full, which took about ten minutes, apparently. <laughs> apparently, Mary, Mary, sits complete, Mary sits completely still and unmoved throughout. Then a chap called Dr Richard Fletcher, who's one of Elizabeth's favourite preachers and uh, the father of a later uh, dramatist, John Fletcher, um, he's brought on to formally admonish Mary for her evil Catholic ways. Mm. Kick a woman when she's down. Unfortunately, he stumbles a bit over quite how to address her. <sighs> And at his fourth attempt, Mary interrupts and says, Mr. Dean, I will not hear you. You have nothing to do with me, nor I with you. Brilliant. He's a bit flustered by this and tries to continue his address, but they keep on arguing. Um, He doesn't get anywhere, and eventually the earls tell him to just move along. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you've had your turn. Yeah, that's brilliant. Good for her. He insisted, apparently, that his sermon be transcribed into the day's report of the event subsequently. Yeah, that's it. it's his moment in history. Yeah. We're talking about it now, and he fluffed it. <laughs> he fluffed it. Does it get transcribed, or does the fact that he into the official it report that they are independent that witnesses? Yeah. yeah. Um, he also then starts doing the prayers, but Mary and her ladies just pray louder in Latin, <laughs> Catholic prayers, and yeah. then she's holding the crucifix, makes sign of a cross. She's yeah. absolutely playing the part of a Catholic martyr. Is the, she? Is she a saint now? Uh, I don't know. I don't think she is. Be, I mean, there is a St. Mary, but I reckon it's the other one. <laughs> yeah. uh, the executioner and Mary's women then help her to undress into just her petticoat for the execution. Apparently Mary smiled broadly and joked she never had such grooms before to make her unready, nor ever put off her clothes before such a company. 
<laughs> cracking a few little blue jokes yeah. at the end there. Galaxy Not humor. very Catholic of her, I must mm. say. Uh, and she is then revealed to be bewe- uh, wearing beneath her gown uh, an inner bodice, which is the colour of dried blood, which is the Catholic colour of martyrdom. Slash, she had her kinkiest red underwear on. <laughs> By petticoat, you know, it's just it's covering a whole body. It's not. Oh, okay. It wasn't like her pants were red. No, right. It's the whole just sort of plain sort of sack thing okay. underneath. <laughs> so. The moment is now upon us. The Axeman is ready to deliver the fatal blow. Yeah. Fortunately, he needs a few goes. Oh, that's horrid. Does she survive each one? The first strike caught the knot of her blindfold, so it missed the neck and instead hacked uh, the back of her head. That's a big miss. It's a very big miss. Well, it's deflected miss, I guess, the blindfold. But deflected by her head? Well, initially it's the blindfold, the knot, and the skews off. Oh, yeah, it is a big miss. It's a big moment. He's obviously feeling the nerves. That would really hurt as well. Let's not be, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah, she apparently made a very small noise at this point. Mm. Yeah, you would. The second strike severs the neck, but not completely. So he then has to finish off by just slicing through the final sinews. So he's basically using the axe as a cleaver now. It's not the most. Oh my! I wish pleasant way. So he doesn't actually get a knife out and and do the end. He he just keeps like. Mm. Oh man! Where did they get him from? I know. He uh, in an attempt to then you know make the moment a little bit more majestic, he raises her head, shouting, "God save the queen!" He doesn't realise that she's actually been wearing a wig. <gasps> Consequently, the wig goes up, but the head plopped down onto the floor. Oh. Right. Revealing a very grey and near bald beneath her wig. Oh, right. From illness. From illness and all this sort of stuff. Apparently the lips are still moving as if in prayer for about 15 minutes afterwards. The Earl of Shrewsbury, who'd spent so much time with her, bursts into tears at this point. One of the witnesses. Gosh. Can you imagine that poor, I mean, poor, poor woman. Yes. But that, um, chopsman, what are they called? Headsman. Mm. Um, that's his job, isn't it? That's his only job. How's your day at work, dear? Mm. Not great. <laughs> but it was your big gig. I know. <laughs> oh, horrible. I thought, it, do you reckon that was on purpose, that it was a blunt... No, I think he was something? a proper... He was meant to be a you know proper good executioner. Because we've had an occasion that... Had a uh, bad day at the office. Yeah. No, it wasn't like Cromwell, where they deliberately, you know, yeah. a real sort of blunt blade and a horrible thing. It's meant to be... But they didn't go for the, the French swordsman with a sharp sword like they did for Anne Boleyn. No. Even no. for a family member. Mm. Mm. Another last little bit of tragedy. Apparently they uh, then discover when they go to move her that her, her Sky Terrier had been hidden in the folds of her dress oh. and accompanied that onto stage. So it then runs around wailing miserably and eventually lays down in a pool of her blood. Oh. Has to be forcibly removed and washed. Oh. But... 8th of February, 1587, Mary, Queen of Scots, 44 years old, is dead. That was exhausting. Those last 10, minute, those last 10 years of her life, mm. thereabouts. She, um, yeah, she really tried every single strand until it was death. She'd never gave up. 
Yeah. I was trying to retire her she was. way before. <laughs> Let's just kick back. Yeah. Go, come on. You've got a pension there, surely. Mm. Well, poor Mary. Yes, it's not been a lucky life, no. has it? No. I mean, it looked so good. 1558, 1559. When she was in France looking at some sort of empire. Yeah. To sitting there with a head falling out of her wig. I think 1558, ten years later, she's imprisoned in England. Is that it? Ten years? Yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose it broke down very quickly, those two years from the yeah. Catholic, uh, the Re- Re- um, Reformation in Scotland. Mm. But... <sighs> a busy, dramatic time. Well, so we're going to rate her next time. We will. How are you, what are you, sort of your, your thoughts at this stage? What are you expecting when we come to review her? How well do you think she's going to do? Tricky one. Not very good subjectivity because it's all the upheaval. Mm. Longevity, you know, we know where that is. Uh, dynasty okay but battliness not great so I don't think very well but I like her mm, it'd be an interesting yeah, one yeah interesting one mm. let us know what you think if you want to get some early predictions mm. in you can message us on Twitter and also find us on Instagram at RexFactorPod like us on Facebook and join in the discussions there and email RexFactorPodcast at Hotmail.com mm. if you would like to support the podcast please leave a favourable review on iTunes lovely and subscribe uh, tell your friends about this show that's the best thing you can do word of mouth is very helpful if you would like to support us financially you can make a one-off donation on PayPal or you can make a monthly donation and click Be My Patron to do some crowdfunding. Oh. And if you make these monthly payments, you get some rewards in return. So yes. everybody that donates on a monthly basis gets free access to our Privy Chamber bonus podcasts, which we record after each of our normal podcasts. We're not going to do the merry one until the review episode. Yeah. But otherwise, you get lots and lots of goodies there. Where we talk about the episode and lots of other fun stuff, a bit more laid back. and Yeah. I love those episodes. Behind the scenes. Uh, people doing $5 or more a month, you get free access to listen to all of our special episodes, which mm. usually cost $2 a time. Though, if you'd like to purchase those, they're very, very much worth the... Uh, yeah, the they're a lot of fun. Mm. Have a listen to tea. I like that. Uh, $10 a month, you get uh, a Rex Factor Privy Councillor mug oh. to put your tea in. $15 a month, you get to commission a blog on the subject of your choice. And $25 a month, you can commission a special episode on the subject of your choice, and get a T-shirt. Which I have just ordered a, a couple more because Graham and I were doing some quality control mm. and we want to make some slight changes, mm. but they're coming. So we've got some more Privy Councillors to thank. Uh-huh. Welcome to the council, please. Oh, this is going to be tricky to read. Richard Boyce. Welcome. Carl Brink. Trish McFarlane. 28 Tomach. Uh, C.A. Timmons 1. Lucy A. Kelleher. Welcome, you all. I don't know why I said welcome after the first chap and then decided that everyone <laughs> I thought else you were going to do it for all of them. It's like, no, no, that's the, no. That's the main one. He got, yeah, I'm glad, glad he's here. Glad he, what was his name again? Uh, that was Richard Boyce. Welcome, Richard Boyce. I don't know, I did it again. I mean, welcome everyone else as well. Oh, forget it. So that is the life and reign of Mary, Queen of Scots. Next time, we will review her and see whether or not she gets the Rex Factor. Tally-ho. I mean, no. Cheerio.